Hello, you are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. Today is Sunday, March 29, 2020. I was considering doing this episode anyway, but having read an article on the news feed of my phone two days ago, I've become even more motivated. The article is from Politico and is entitled, A Far-Right Rallying Cry, Older Americans Should Volunteer to Work. The thoughts I am offering are in the way of a prototype, thoughts that I'm just getting out there, which I know will need to be improved upon greatly and tweaked considerably. I also know that the ideas that I'm using are at least 30 years old, but since I find them still relevant, and I don't in any way hear them being discussed or used, I thought it was time to dust them off and return them to awareness. We are caught between two conflicting, difficult choices. On the one hand is the need to find a solution for the coronavirus. Unlike the flu, presently there is no vaccine, and this virus is killing or permanently changing the health of many people. Its spread is now pandemic. The best solution offered so far is social isolation or social distancing. But this solution is producing a second problem. That is, that it is in the long run creating the dying of our economy. And like the Great Depression, this could be even possibly worse than the effects of the virus. People could be losing their life savings and investments, and there can be a great increase in homelessness and people without the resources for health and safety. This will result in the increase in deaths from exposure and starvation and disease. In such a short period of time, this virus has made two things obvious. The first is, is that we are all connected. We live, especially economically, in a mutually interdependent web of support. And that two, that web of support is very much like a house of cards or a Jenga game in which one piece removed in the right place and the whole structure collapses. In addition to the dilemmas created by the coronavirus, we are divided by preferences and values especially related to human life. On the one hand, there are those like Governor of New York Andrew Cuomo who holds that every human life is valuable and that we cannot put a price on any life. On the other hand, there are those like President Trump and, as the article in Politico reports, those on the far right, who fear that the complete collapse of the economy is equally worse or of greater danger than the effects of the virus, and so they want to rescue the economy. President Trump has said that a great many die of the flu each year and that we don't think of shutting down the economy. I realize that the far right and Politico are usually unhelpfully diametrically opposed, especially in their characterization each makes of the other. So I must be careful in evaluating the accuracy of one view or the other. But if Politico has reported accurately about the ideas of the far right, there appear to be a growing number of conservatives saying that the economy is of paramount value, and thus 
In this situation, using metaphors of war being expressed, since in all war people die, for the sake of the country, in this war, people are going to have to die also for the sake of the economy. The solution offered by the far right, as reported by Politico, is that older adults should return to work for two reasons. The first is, is that because of their age, they have the experience to manage and help drive the economy. And because of their wealth, they also are drivers of the economy. But the second, they are also more vulnerable to the virus. This means, as I understand it, that the far right is requesting that older adults return to work because they are more expendable and yet at the same time have the skills to help return the economy to its force. Since in all wars people die, people are going to die in this war. Normally we ask younger generations to be the ones who go off and die for the country, but in this case it seems to be they're asking older adults to be the ones who, after all, having lived their lives already, should sacrifice themselves unselfishly so that the economy can get back into full swing. Like in all wars, propaganda becomes rampant. Again, if the Politico article has reported accurately, those on the far right characterize their position as true patriotism and even true faith, while literally demonizing those who oppose them. The political article speaks of one religious leader characterizing Governor Cuomo's position as demonic. And Politico's article seems to be alarmist and has as its purpose, even if they are reporting accurately, to characterize the right in a deplorable way. I'm describing the article to demonstrate where we seem to be headed politically in this situation. So we are in a situation where we have two legitimate problems that are working against each other in a polarized political climate where each side values one side of the conflict more than the other side of the conflict and where each side villainizes the other side. We need a way forward. In addition to the need to begin to rethink our whole approach to the economy, which is what my series on steady-state economics is about, we need to do something now. I want to offer my thoughts by advocating two resources. The first is the seven steps of Glenn Stassen's peacemaking. The second are the creative thinking tools, especially of people like Edward de Bono, Michael McCalco, and William McDonough, and Michael Braungart. As some of you who have been listening to my podcast know, one of my ongoing series is on peacemaking, or as Rabbi Emily Eilberg prefers, peace building. In his very wise book, Just Peacemaking, Transforming Initiatives for Justice and Peace, Glenn Stassen, who is a Baptist theologian and ethicist, offers seven components or steps for just peacemaking. In my mind, they seem to be crucial to this situation. The seven steps are as follows. Step one is affirm common security and affirm the values of your opponent and the valid interests of your opponent 
as much as your own valid interest. Step two is to take independent initiatives. Step three is to talk with your adversary, your enemy, or your opponent. Step four is to seek human rights and justice. Step five is to acknowledge vicious cycles to try to participate in peacemaking processes rather than continuing to create vicious cycles, to try to interrupt your own contribution to vicious cycles. Step six is to end judgmental propaganda and to seek to make amends. And step seven is to work with citizens groups for the truth. Concerning step one, from a Christian perspective, we are all both limited and sinful. None of us see the whole picture or have all of the truth. And our sinfulness gets each and all of us at times off track. Our sinfulness blinds us, confuses us, clouds our vision. In addition, because God loves us all and gives good gifts to us all, like rain falling on the good and the bad alike, because God desires our humility, as much as it may gall us and we don't want to acknowledge it, often those from a different perspective of our own, those who oppose us, have important and legitimate insights and ideas, truths, if you will, that we as responsible people who should be open to correction should acknowledge. This situation has two legitimate conflicting problems, and it is important to acknowledge both and the legitimate fears and concerns of those who favor one side of the problem as opposed to ours. National and state government solutions, especially in giving out money, cannot be the only solution. That money can only come from the economy, which must be functioning to provide it. If the virus is ignored, there won't be enough people left to power the economy. So while social distancing is crucial, other means of addressing the virus need to be added. Concerning step two, taking independent initiatives, a crucial part to step one is acknowledging your opponent's legitimate values, concerns, etc., to build on shared values. We get caught up in the opposition so much that we forget that we often have more in common than we don't. Surprisingly in our country, one of those shared values is the freedom of individuals and groups to create and initiate and innovate. Two left-leaning political thinkers, Harry C. Boyd, in his book, The Citizen Solution, How You Can Make a Difference, and Eric Liu, in his You're More Powerful Than You Think, A Citizen's Guide to Making Change Happen, share with political conservatives the notion that not all solutions must come from government. Neither should all resources. Individual citizens and groups of citizens can and should affect more change than we are pleasantly doing. In my Baptist heritage, we have always favored the notion of cooperation, that even though you may disagree significantly with someone, that if you can find areas to cooperate, you can achieve amazing things. It is based upon the second step that I will offer my thoughts upon the use of creative thinking tools. Concerning the third step, talk with your enemy. Right now, we are talking at our enemies. 
we are talking about them rather than talking to them. It takes courage and even care for your opponent to talk with them. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that if we are to be his disciples, we are to love our enemies, which means in my mind that we also are supposed to be talking with them in caring ways. Glenn Stassen encourages the use of conflict resolution resources to help guide us in this particular step. Concerning step four, seeking rights, human rights and justice, especially for those that are powerless without double standards, is a very complicated and difficult step. It requires the example of selflessness in a climate that is prone to selfishness. This step is going to be one of the hardest that we seek to try to address. Concerning step five, acknowledging vicious cycles. And step six, ending judgmental propaganda and making amends seem to go together. Our failure at these steps are what is driving our inability to work together productively. We cannot solve this issue divided as we are. And in order to get cooperation, we must set aside villainizing and false witness and work against our own tendencies to contribute to vicious cycles of recrimination, of blame, of retaliation, of revenge, of not compromising. Concerning step seven, seeking the truth. Especially because of the failures of step five and six, truth is lost often. In order for us to move forward, we need the truth. Truth about the virus, truth about the economy, truth about good ideas, regardless of where they originate. Like it or not, we all are being affected by this dually conflicted situation, and to move forward productively, we must find a way to work together. Glenn Stassen's resources of seven steps of peacemaking seem to be one tool to help us achieve active cooperation. Now to focus on step two, independent initiatives, I want to advocate for the more collective use of tools that have been used a long time, especially in business, and that is creative thinking tools. I've never been in a context where these tools permeate the culture of an organization, nor have I seen them used on a public or a collective scale, and that's what I'm advocating now. If we are willing to embrace these tools and use them, we might find ourselves achieving amazing and important things. Walt Disney's movie Tomorrowland and 20th Century Fox, The Greatest Showman, seem to capture the spirit that I'm talking about. As also does the book Upcycling by William McDonough and Michael Braungart. Resources for these kind of creative thinking tools abound. Uh, some of the ones that I found most valuable are Walt Disney's Imagineering, a behind the dreams look at making magic real, Think Better, an innovator's guide to productive thinking by Tim Hurston, or Herson, The Art of Innovation, Lessons in Creativity from IDEO, America's leading design firm by Tom Kelly with Jonathan Littman, 
and Michael Macalco's Thinker Toys, a handbook of business creativity. But the resources that have most shaped me have been those of Edward de Bono. De Bono is clever about not putting all of his eggs in one basket, so you can't just name one of his books. But Serious Creativity and Lateral Thinking are two of his books that come close to putting all of his ideas together. De Bono affirms that there are three areas where creative thinking is useful. Problem solving, which is what we normally think of when we think of using creative thinking tools. Improvement, where we look at what we're already doing well and see if there is an even better way of doing it. And finally, innovation, which he talks about, you know, of course, is something creating something new for which there is no precedent. You have to design your way forward. Each of these three categories seem to be needed in our present situation. Our economy thrives with the entrepreneurial spirit, individuals and groups acting independently, achieving amazing things. That is what I hear being affirmed by the political right and those on the left, like Lou and Boink. And the insight from Tom Kelly's book also seems important. And that is, don't wait until you fully solve something before you develop it. Put out prototypes and tweak your way forward. That is what I'm suggesting in these ideas. A first prototype to get the ball rolling, with hopefully a lot of tweaking along the way. The tools are too many to discuss in full, but I'd like to offer a framework, or a couple of frameworks that might be useful. De Bono offers a structure for doing creative thinking processes and for using creative thinking tools. He calls them the six thinking hats. Each hat represents a different thinking task that is involved in a creative thinking process. He says that creative thinking processes stall often because, first, there is a critique of an idea that comes too quickly, and that second, it is assumed that once a critique has been given, the idea is dead. What he does in the six thinking hats is to give each thinking task a space to develop on its own without the interference of the other task or before applying and introducing the other task. The, th the six thinking hats are as follows. The white hat is the information hat. It's the hat in which we have to seek what knowledge we need, what knowledge is missing, what kind of things we think we need to try to find out. One of the White Hat's tasks is what Morgan D. Jones describes in his book, The Thinker's Toolkit, 14 Powerful Techniques for Problem Solving. In it, he says that one of the key places to start is in accurately defining the problem because how we define a problem usually determines how we go about solving the problem. It takes us down a particular path. In my mind, the present problem is how to keep the virus from spreading and, keep and keeping people safe while at the same time restarting and maintaining the economy. We need accurate information about the virus how it spreads, what stops it, etc. We also need to think about ways in which we are able to do the economy, restart the economy, while keeping people safe. The green hat is generating alternatives and coming up with new ideas. 
This is the brainstorming and innovation step. In brainstorming, all ideas are included, even those that are impossible, silly, illogical, too expensive, and even deplorable and offensive. Any idea, even the absurd or deplorable, can serve as a stepping stone for a better idea and a more appropriate idea. The black hat is the critiquing task where we evaluate, select, object, caution, warn, sort, prioritize. The yellow hat is the task of reconsidering in light of possible changes another idea or an original idea. De Bono emphasizes that this text is too often neglected or often gets too little effort, and yet it is typically the one that can bring a breakthrough. It says that given the objections and obstacles of an idea, is there a way to still do the idea while meeting or overcoming the objectives? This is where Tom Kelly's stress upon the importance of prototypes are important are pertinent. Creating a prototype, then tweaking your way forward to arrive at a successful result is the notion of the yellow hat. The red hat is the task of taking emotional stock about how we feel about where we are and what we're proposing. What are our hunches and intuitions? It gives us a chance to raise concern and to speak honestly about what we think is going on. The blue hat is the planning and action hat, bringing into reality, actuality, and practice what has been in the process of being developed. Another structure for creative thinking is from Bill Capodagalli and Lynn Jackson's book, The Disney Way, Harnessing Management Secrets of Disney in Your Company. The structure is dream, believe, dare, and do. We need to dream of solutions to both the problems that we are facing, and we need to believe in our capacity to be able to come up with solutions. We need to dare to think innovatively and creatively to provide alternative solutions, and then we need to try to put these things into some kind of practice. It is efforts like these that seem to be what William McDonough and Michael Braunhart are seeking to do in their book, Upcycle, Beyond Sustainability, Designing for Abundance. What I'm advocating is the use of these tools on a collective or societal level. The social media and conferencing tools of Facebook and Zoom are excellent forums to practice both peacemaking and building and creative thinking initiatives. Facebook gives us a chance to engage with others who have different opinions and share different perspectives than we are, and to practice ways of reducing vicious cycles and to learn to talk caringly with others. Facebook is also a great tool for collective mass brainstorming. The results can then lead to groups who use Zoom for smaller independent initiatives, kind of conference calls in which you take the brainstorming ideas and develop them further, going through each of the steps of the th six thinking hats. Giving our willingness to acknowledge each other and each other's fears and values and concerns and given our willingness to accept the legitimacy of both problems 
if we work together in both peace building and creative problem solving, improvement and innovation, we may be able to achieve amazing results. So to spitball an example, let's take restaurants. Presently, they are either closed or relying on takeout. For some time, the Japanese restaurants have been using, or some Japanese restaurants, have been using conveyor belts to deliver food. Supposing that instead of the government just giving people money, they also give restaurants money to make some changes, like redesigning, so that people are separated in glass-enclosed rooms, glass being cheap and easy to disinfect. Glass also enables people to see one another and to feel like they're still connected. Food is delivered by way of the conveyor belt. Reservations can be made so that timing can come, people can come at different times and therefore provide appropriate social space. Intercoms can be installed for communication to occur. The result is the ability of the restaurants to reopen while at the same time not endangering people from the coronavirus. And it, it enables us to maybe try to begin to address the revamping uh, of the economy. This is green hat thinking in the Bono scheme. It would, be needed to be, it would need to be followed up by critique of black hat thinking, but also and especially by yellow hat thinking, trying to overcome any obstacles that may uh, be with this kind of idea, uh, objections, and that's what you do with a prototype. Is put it out there and then design your way forward. So these are my thoughts as a way of productively moving forward. If you have other or better ideas, put them on Facebook. Let's see what we can achieve together. You're listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. The music for this episode comes from a clip of a song called Father Let Your Kingdom Come that is on the Porter's Gate Worship Project Work Songs album and used by permission by the Porter's Gate Work Project. You can purchase the album and learn more about the Worship Project by going to the website, theportersgate.com. This show has as its purpose enabling you to hear the voices of the Christian left and about the issues and concerns that are of interest to the Christian left. Practicing Gospel Inc. is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard, go to my website at practicing-gospel.blubrry.net to subscribe and hopefully to donate. Your participation will help me continue this effort. Thank you for listening and for your support. Blessings. May the words from my mouth speak